everybody. This is Larry Dobrow, um, MMM's senior editor, and um, we brought we got the band back together today. Um, even though we're all a little hoarse and uh, you know dealing with the winter cold, we have Mark Iskowitz, the executive editor of MMM, and we are joined by one of our favorite guests and one of uh, for our money one of the smartest people in the uh, health and digital worlds, um, Ritesh Patel, who's the chief digital officer of health for Ogilvy. Um, we'll get to him in one second, but first, one or two quick housekeeping things. The MM&M Holiday Contest is still open for another couple days. Please vote. Um, I was going to say vote early and often, but we don't want people voting often uh, in contests big or small. Um, also, um, nominations for the next year's, next year's class of the MM&M Hall of Femme are open until January 15th. So please uh, reach out and nominate anyone that's worthy. So yeah, um, we sort of had this idea that we were going to do kind of a digital health year in review with Ritesh. But of course, you could make an argument that everything is digital. So kind of uh, opening it up to something so huge might be dangerous. But thank you for coming in and being a part of this. My pleasure. My pleasure. Yes, digital health is a big subject. We could go all over the place with that. Uh, but, you know, I'll leave it to you guys to figure out where do we start and where do we end, really. Uh, well, and, I guess... I guess uh, Is this a week-long uh, podcast? <laughs> How much time do we have? That's right. What exactly. we're going to do, we're going to break a couple times to change the tape, you know, kind of shower, yeah. get water, sustenance, everything lunch. else. But, uh, you know, by the time we finish around New Year's, it should be pretty good. But, yeah, you know, in, a, in, a, in obviously a very, very big picture uh, context... In your mind, were there one or two trends that you saw this year within digital health that stand out for you among everything else that was going on? Yeah, you know, I think everybody's talking AI. Everybody I meet has got some sort of AI going on somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you, as we started the year, there was a lot of conversation going on around artificial intelligence and the application of it in a myriad of sort of areas within the pharma industry. But I think it's sort of settled down now by the end of the year into R&D and clinical primarily, I think. Those guys have really embraced machines and uh, the, the potential of artificial intelligence to scale and also speed up things like molecular discovery and research and development. On the commercial side, I think most of the people uh, started early on with, we're going to do something big, you know, we're going to partner with somebody, we're going to buy somebody. And we've seen mm-hmm. some changes go on in the industry, some really well publicized uh, breakups, if you wish, with, you mm-hmm. know, Pear and Sandoz and mm-hmm. now uh, Sanofi announcing a change in the way they're going to work with Verily. Mm-hmm. And um, Proteus also uh, having some funding problems. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the Proteus thing is a little misnomer. I know the funding mm-hmm. issue is an issue. I think the Otsuka is a great partner there, and I think they're in mm-hmm. that for the long term. Mm-hmm. I think some of the, the other two deals were done sort of as the silver bullets, you know. Mm-hmm. If you look mm-hmm. at the, the Verily, you know, 2016, Verily were all over the place. They were talking to every single pharma company about doing something big, right? Because their whole approach is this 10x model that they have with Google. Um, and I think a lot of people are now coming to the conclusion that something big necessarily is not there. Mm-hmm. There's no there there. Mm-hmm. So we should look relook at the deals that we're doing. Mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. um, uh, but I do agree with you. I think even even the Proteus thing, with even, I think, when did I meet the Proteus guys? 2009. Mm-hmm. 
They've been going at this for a long time. Right, yes. Yeah. <laughs> right? Founded in 2001. And yeah, exactly. Spending the ensuing decades developing their smart pill. And Larry actually wrote a headliner with their CEO where he proclaimed famously that every pill one day will have a chip in it. That's right. So. And there's another startup recently uh, that announced another form of chip in a pill. And they just got funding, I think, $25 million or something to get mm. that going. So mm-hmm. there are new entrants coming. But, you know, beginning of the year, those are the two hot topics, if you wish, you know, the whole R&D, AI, and what can we do with AI. And then uh, we're going to be digital and digital therapeutics. And I think what we're seeing is now settling down. Uh, one or two companies are using it, lo- looking at digital therapeutics as a standalone. But a lot of people have gone into it from a service beyond the pill kind of environment. Mm-hmm. On the marketing side, I think, you know, voice and chat was the big com- conversations at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we haven't seen many voice applications out here. Uh, everybody was chasing an Alexa deal somewhere along the way. You know, so mm. I don't know what's happened there. I haven't seen many Alexa skills come out yet. So mm-hmm. There was a big promise. Which, which is interesting because, you know, like you said, at the start of the year, everybody had some kind of an idea. Um, you know, when we did something like this this time last year, you know, what's going to be the big thing in 2019? Oh, it's going to be voice. It's going to be chat. Um, to what do you attribute that? Is there, was it just almost like, all right, we tried to go a little too fast and, you know, these things take time? Or is it, you know, maybe a pullback and saying, okay, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves yeah i think no i think privacy actually mm-hmm. you know the consumers became very big on privacy is this alexa thing or listening to me all the time you know mm-hmm. that sort of thing so i think that privacy issue that hit the consumer side of the world i think medical and legal and regulatory sort of said hang on a minute you know there's some issues here maybe we shouldn't go as fast as we should is mm-hmm. what probably happened in most of the internal organizations the other thing is I'm not sure we as consumers are ready to interact with pharma on voice on an Alexa unit. I still can't figure out what that use case looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's some great opportunities with older, uh, the older generation who may not want to type on a phone to be able to do things like get help or track your health or things like that. But pharma hasn't come up with a use case that I can see. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you guys yeah. have, but I haven't seen one, you know, where we can go, that will work, right? Somebody will do that. Mm-hmm. We played around three years ago, maybe four years ago, with a diabetes skill. Track your diabetes, right? Mm-hmm. If you're an elderly patient, you can talk to Alexa and say, here's my you know, A1C today. Here's my diet. This is what I ate. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. But most consumers don't really care. They're still using mm-hmm. it to tell a joke and listen to the news. Right. Listen to the and music. Put their kids to bed. What's the put their kids to bed. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, the best one I've seen so far is that uh, from all of people of all the people, Colgate, who did a great little uh, Google Voice app for kids to help them brush their teeth. Hmm. I remember as a parent, my two-year-old, you know, yelling and screaming, "You will brush your teeth!" You know, <laughs> and it's been great. This little app, Brush with Me, is fantastic. Two huh. minutes long, plays uh-huh. the music, uh-huh. lets uh-huh. the kids sing along and and brush their teeth. Right. That's, right. That's the beautiful thing. It used to be okay, you know, brush your teeth as long as you can sing A, B, C, that's D. That's right. Now uh-huh. there's uh-huh. actually something that replaces it in a way that's just so much cooler. Exactly. Right. Right. Novelty. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, but I do see chat. Chat's doing really well. Uh, mm. Merck in Canada just launched an amazing chatbot for medical information it's called askmerk.ca it's fantastic really well done Uh, if I'm a physician I don't have to go to the website I don't have to go to Merck Canada anymore I just say Mm -hmm. right there's Ask Merck I want the dosing Mm -hmm. information for Keytruda boom done Mm -hmm. 
right? Sidestep Hippocrates a little exactly. bit. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's interesting, right? <laughs> right, right. So, so that's it's a good use case for chat. Exactly. I've seen a couple of those where, you know, what can we do to give you instant gratification? That's what these chatbots are about, right? Instant gratification. So mm-hmm. the Merck Canada one is really good because it gives you instant information on PI, dosing, you know, indication, that sort of stuff. But it also gives you the the medical information in a nice way with graphs and all that sort of thing. Uh, on the consumer side, uh, I think the biggest one I've seen is Wobot. I've tried to break this thing. <laughs> Six months I've been interacting with Wobot on Facebook Messenger. Mm-hmm. It's really good. You know, this morning I looked at it, it showed me a little picture of a baby hedgehog, you know, sort of, have a great day, here's a cute hedgehog. <laughs> Put a smile to my face, right? It's yeah. not bad. Yeah. So things like that are not, not too not too bad as well. I mean, you know, you, you could argue that was one of the trends of the year, you know, the fact that, you know, with all the talk about AI and everything else, that user experience finally started to catch up to where everybody expected it to be like, you know, 18, 24 months ago. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think we've still got a long way to go. So some of these bots are great. I haven't seen a pharma bot that's really, really good because we tend to air more towards the scientific and medical. Mm-hmm. And people don't speak scientific and medical, they speak people. Mm-hmm. And trying mm-hmm. to convince marketing right. to right. speak people when they then go into regulatory and medical who go, hang on a minute, you know, so that dilemma still exists and that push-pull and that that craziness still exists within pharma. So it's really interesting. Uh, I think next year, for sure, user experience design and the experience we have with information is going to be critical. And the marketing functions particularly have to start really paying attention to this is the content, I'm really happy with it, but how is it going to be consumed? Where is it going to be consumed? What kind of way is it going to be consumed? Mm-hmm. And we've got to change that. We really have to think about that. Um, what can we, you know, Mark and I were talking about this a little before, um, what can we tell, actually tell might not be the right word, but what can marketers do to kind of catch up a little bit in that regard? There always seems to be that hesitation of like, well, let's test this 300 times over, let, let somebody else jump in first and we'll be the second ones in. Mm. You know, is there any advice that can be passed along or is it almost a matter of a, you got to just do it at some point? Well, there are three things, right? I always get that, hey, give me something innovative. So we come up with something innovative and the first question is, who have you done it for before? Mm-hmm. So, well, it's not innovative. I've already done it for somebody else, right? So somebody will have to go first somewhere. Somebody has to be brave enough to say, I can go do this. And Merck Canada is a prime example. They were brave enough to create a chatbot for what, in essence, is you know replacing the sales rep in a way, right? Mm-hmm. I don't need to talk to the rep. I can talk to the bot. So mm-hmm. that's some bravery there. Right, and right, the right. user interface is really, really good. Mm-hmm. So somebody has to go first somewhere and then use that as an example internally for others. The other piece is, I think, what I advice I give when I sort of do this is, would you use this? Nobody tests it for themselves, right? They always go to medical and legal and the ad board and whatever. Mm-hmm. And the first question mm-hmm. I always ask, before you launch this, go interact with it, whatever it is. And what do you think? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you're not going to use it, chances are 90% of your customers aren't either, right? Mm -hmm. So Use some common sense. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. We've lost a bit of that, I think, because we so focus on the technology or the content or even the regulatory medical scientific sort of rigor that we forget the user and maybe come back and be the user. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I try and do that quite a lot and say, go here, here's your app, go play with it. Sure. And tell me what's wrong with it. And they come up with 19 things all of a sudden. You know, oh, yeah, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't yeah. do that. Well, 
exactly. So fix it. Um, yeah. So, and speaking of HCP, you know, facing technology as, as we look toward the future a little bit, I think I saw one study recently that, uh, that suggested globally that a greater proportion of pharma companies are going to switch their HCP budgets to, to digital uh, more so than, than in previous years. And as we see, as you pointed out, the sales forces kind of uh, have been drawn down over the last decade or so. You know, where, where do you see the emphasis being placed on to kind of make up for that and, and to maintain the share of voice? Yeah, I think uh, it's going to continue globally. In the U.S., we're facing uh, sort of three things. One is the do not call list keep growing. The IDNs mm -hmm. are consolidating a lot, right? So those buildings are saying, you can't come in here, sales mm -hmm. rep. So right. that's one. The second one is around just access to people who are increasingly very busy within these systems as well, right? Mm -hmm. So once you do get in to see somebody, it's still difficult to get their attention. Yeah. So... Uh, and the third one is around just the amount of salespeople out there. You know, before, you know, oncology, there were one or two products. Now you've got seven. I mean, heck, yeah. Keytruders just keeps getting indication upon indication mm -hmm. upon indication. Mm -hmm. upon. Yes, yes. So, you know, how many yes. people am I going to see in a day right. as an oncologist, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So those a pipeline three, and a product. Right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So those three things are really conspiring against us. So we've seen a huge growth in things like EHR. And, mm -hmm. you know, messaging on the EHR itself during the day as the okay. doctor is going through their workflow. What can I give them from a help perspective? Yeah. Where we've seen a big amount of messaging going on. If you look at the optimized RX guys uh, and talk to them and say, e-prescribe, right? Can I fix the... Uh, issue around prior authorization with technology so I can interact with you. Can I give you more patient assistance materials as you do your e-prescribe? So here in the US, mm -hmm. there seems to be a lot more going on in the EHR and the e-prescribe systems okay. uh, where you can message the doctors and get around the do not call, right? Mm -hmm, so that's mm -hmm. one. The second area is around these mobile te uh, technologies. I'm not sure if we need another app but I think that what Merck Canada has done particularly could be modeled very quickly here, mm -hmm. where we as humans and consumers are looking at always, in, you know, I want this information now, right? I asked how many times has somebody used their phone to find something near me, right? Mm -hmm. That kind of user interface right. and use case, I think. Right. Right. If we could do the same thing, that as, a, as an ATP, as I'm going through my day, oh, I have a quick question, boom, I get the answer. Mm -hmm. Don't maybe go to a website that's responsive but really isn't. And the only thing I see is a PDF that I have to pinch and zoom, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I think using those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Mobile is still the big thing, absolutely the big thing. And then the last mm -hmm. area is we're still seeing the growth of social networks, right? I met with the, what I met with a couple of weeks ago, the MedNet. It's an mm -hmm. interesting network. It's community oncologists. They've got them all. Hmm. And they're creating hmm. content, right? Mm -hmm. And they're putting content onto their platform for community oncologists, so, which is quite interesting. So mm -hmm. I think social networks will still continue and, and getting into those things and educating yeah. people there. Is interesting that, that Amazon, actually, that second acquisition was Health Navigators, yeah. which yeah. creates the, the technology behind chatbots. Exactly. Uh, I think mostly, you know, for, for consumer facing, if I'm not mistaken. That's uh, but uh, we, we, maybe we'll see them come out with one for uh, for for physicians as well. I think Amazon's going to be an interesting player because they're toying with the creating their own EHR, for example, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I could envision next year, imagine this, if you're an AWS customer at a hospital, what if I give you a free EHR as part of the deal? Mm -hmm. What does that do to the market, right? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and all of a sudden, I have my own electronic health record system, that a user interface that's very Amazon-like. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing, I think, would be very interesting. What right. the deal with Ascension and Google in giving me Google search capabilities on top of my EHR mm-hmm. is quite interesting as well. So these big right. tech players are coming in. And, and then don't forget Apple. Apple will continue right. to thrive. Mm-hmm. Their whole world is give you, the patient, access to everything you of your whole health data on your phone. Mm-hmm. has to be iOS, obviously. It has to be your phone. Now, God help you if you lose your phone. Well, that never happens. Of course not. But, you know, those kinds of yeah. things. So Apple's mm-hmm. really focused on the privacy and giving you access to your data on your phone. Mm-hmm. Google's looking at it from a what can we use our technology of things like quick search. You know, Google's whole modus operandi, I don't know if you've, if you've been tracking it, last three months I've noticed more and more, particularly on laptop or iPad, if you do a Google search, they're actually bringing the contents of the site to the search result. Mm-hmm. So you don't click. You don't have to click off. It's right there. It's right mm-hmm. there in mm-hmm. front of you, mm-hmm. which is yeah. very interesting and a different change. So if I'm a marketer, I've now got to change my tagging of my site and give you content at the first screen that will appear in the Google search result as opposed mm-hmm. to waiting for somebody to come to my site because mm-hmm. nobody's mm-hmm. clicking through. Mm-hmm. That changes the whole model, right? So mm-hmm. they're applying that same thing on the EHRs. So uh-huh. interesting. Yeah, you know, um, interesting, yeah. Yeah, you're interesting. When talking about some of the uh, big tech companies, you know, uh, what are we calling them now? Fang, Facebook, mm-hmm. Apple, uh, mm-hmm. Amazon, yeah. Netflix, Google, whatever. Yeah. Um, I think a couple years ago, there was this huge fear that, you know, they would come in, they would just blow everything up. It actually seems that everyone's sort of seemed sort of learned how to get a, get along a little bit. Um, has there been a change in the attitude towards the health, the health world's attitude towards some of these big tech companies? So, you know, I think if we look at our audience, the pharma industry uh, that we sort of are talking to at the moment, nothing's changed. I don't think they're okay. going to do anything there. I, mm-hmm. I really, you know, the only thing you could imagine perhaps is Google or Verily buys uh, maybe five biotechs and creates a pharma yeah. company, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the way it could go. I don't see Amazon doing anything in the pharma side unless it's mainly supply chain oriented. You know, look at right. the strength that they have. They've got licenses in 50 states. If I was a specialty pharmacy, now that's a different model, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't be worried about Amazon a little bit or mm-hmm. a PBM, for example, right? Mm-hmm. With what they're doing with JP Morgan, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the health system side, I see a huge partnership kind of conversations going on, particularly with Amazon, particularly with Amazon, uh, less with Google. I think the mm-hmm. privacy issues that Google <coughs> brings to, to them, mm-hmm. even real or mm-hmm. perceived, right? Uh, I think there's a lot of hospital systems that won't do that. But Amazon's got that neutral thing. So I'll, I think Amazon will be a, someone to reckon with next year. Right, sure. they've got to avoid the Project Nightingale pitfalls. Yes, uh, right? exactly. But, uh, <laughs> as long as they can navigate that, exactly, or learn from it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I think you know it will be interesting. Uh, I could see Verily maybe doing something in the biotech side. Why not? They've got all the infrastructure done this year, right? J and J is going to use Project Baseline for all of their clinical research mm-hmm. and collect the data. And they've got the infrastructure. I mean, the way it was set up was just so smart. You know, they built yeah. it up rather than just kind of jumping in and saying, all right, we can do everything right exactly. now. It started very small, very quietly. You know, you know, they were working with Duke and a couple other institutions yeah. and 
you know, yeah. all the power to them for actually doing the uh, grunt work first. Exactly. And Apple's doing the same thing. If yeah. you look at what Apple has done, particularly in clinical, it's amazing, right? Mm-hmm. They're enabling virtual trials, sightless trials. Who would mm-hmm. have imagined in mm-hmm. today's day and age, right? Mm-hmm. We've been talking, mm-hmm. I think Craig Lipset at Pfizer and I talked about sightless trials in 2009 or 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 right? And there was that much publicized perceived failure of a virtual trial that Pfizer yeah. mm. did in 2010, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. taken us 10 years to get to there. Wow. But the technology is lining up, I think, and Apple right. has done a really good job with right. Research Kit. You know? yeah. uh-huh. Uh-huh. So Science right. 37, Metaball, those guys are really pioneering this mm-hmm. whole virtual mm-hmm. trial, cyclist trial stuff, which is quite interesting. Right, absolutely, you know? absolutely. Um, we, we saw a wave of chief digital officers, you know, ah. kind of come in the last year or two, right? Uh, and, you know, with a lot of them with non-healthcare experience and promising to, uh, you know, speed up pharma's digital transformation. A lot of the changes that, that we were just speaking of, do you see that being a top-down or is that kind of more organic? And, and where do you see the CDOs making progress uh in the year or, ahead. Or do you see the CEO? Yeah. Or do you? Yes. It's right. interesting. I feel bad for all of them. <laughs> you know, I feel bad for the chap at Novartis, you know, yeah. the young lady at uh, GSK, yeah. Lydia mm-hmm. Pfizer and Schofield yeah. over at Merck. They all came out of, you know, different mm-hmm. industries with big mandates, big mm-hmm. mandates, sure, right? Sure. You know, you look at what, from what I can, you know, gather publicly as well as some of the internal conversations that are going on, um, the dual role of chief digital officer, chief information officer may have to be rethought in 2020. Hmm. It's too big. Yeah. It's hmm. too big. You've got your your big infrastructure as a CIO that you have to maintain internally, and then you have to do new things as the chief digital officer and go out there and try and do transformation at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Left brain, light brain, right? Mm-hmm. It's a big job to have right. managing yeah. two different organizations. Right, so. right. That was a sort of an eyebrow raising kind yeah. of a trend that you know people like Lydia have have to wear both hats. Exactly. Not that she's not capable. She was a CIO, Very you know, for yeah. the two big you know lab tech companies, and now she's coming into Pfizer. You know, um, if anybody can do it, she can. But that is a large mandate, and it's a huge organization. Look mm-hmm. at the organization mm-hmm. itself, right? Right, a hundred years of process behind Absolutely. them, and just you know. Yeah. I used to be a CIO. I mm-hmm. never want to do that again, I'll tell you. <laughs> Especially now. Boy, exactly. It's a different and job than it was five years very ago. Very big job. My, yeah. uh, I was a CIO at Havas for over a year, mm-hmm. and then I was a C- you know, CIO at a couple of other companies. And it's a difficult thing to do just as a CIO in the changing world that we're living in with technology moving so fast and the demands from the users of that technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really difficult to be a CIO and then also say, and oh, by the way, I'm going to do new, amazing, innovative things as a CDO, right? Uh, Jim Schofield's got the same role at mm-hmm. Merck, at Merck right? uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, He's probably going through the same thing at the moment. Massive hundred and something plus year organization, very embedded in scientific mm-hmm. rigor. Mm-hmm. And the scientists and the clinicians rule the world in there. So, you know, what do you do? Sure. You can't do innovative things. So. But I think there are there are hope that GSK is doing a good job. I yes. think Novartis publicly seem to be doing amazing things. They're talking about it. A They're lot, talking certainly. a lot. But when I meet the middle tier and the day to day brand manager folks, it hasn't permeated down to them yet. So at the mm-hmm. vast level, I think they're doing really well in Basel. But go walk into Building 352 in Florham Park and walk around. <laughs> uh, and I think it's still very much, more, you know. Re- wrestling with omni-channel and multi-channel. Exactly. And centers of excellence. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Right. And, and that's an interesting one, centers of excellence. We've seen the mm-hmm. rise and fall of centers of excellence mm-hmm. around all this transformation mm-hmm. as well, right? Mm-hmm. Why, why do you think that's been? 
I think what happens is you have a great idea, you get some very smart people who give you some great things, but then over time they become the policemen as opposed to the enablers, right? Okay. And so people go, well, I'm not going to do that because we have a center of excellence that does that. And then after a while, the center of excellence becomes the, you can't do that because we're the guys who are the experts. It becomes a turf war, It becomes a turf and empire territory politics thing, right? So that's why you see the rise and fall, I think, of the centers of excellence. I think the guys who do it really well are the guys who create a center of excellence where they do the governance models and the frameworks Mm -hmm. and they bring partners in but they educate and make sure that everybody's learning and adhering to the governance model. So social media, right? We've had the rise and fall of social media centers of excellence at Novartis, at Pfizer, at GSK, right? And I think the reason is what they should have done, in my personal opinion, nothing else, um, create a governance model and a framework, but then teach all the brand managers how to do social. Teach mm-hmm, everybody mm-hmm. out there. Right. But mm-hmm. here's your guardrails. That's it. But off you go. Right? Mm-hmm, and I'll give mm-hmm. you the technology infrastructure. I'll put in social cloud everywhere. Mm-hmm. So you have one framework to use, one governance model, and one piece of technology. But then you can do whatever you want to do. Go mm-hmm, for it. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. If, if you've got these criteria. And a lot of people didn't do that. They just said, we're going to hire 200 people and put them in the middle, and they're going to be our social media guys. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. so it's amazing you know, how many of these things that we've been talking about are just, you know, they're, they're process issues exactly. more than anything else. You know, if you don't yeah. have a process that works, that's logical, that a lot of people can get behind politically, you know, where are you going to be? You're going yeah. to be in trouble. Look, we were, when I joined this mad industry way back in 2009 with Inventive, my first week I was sent to the FDA hearings, November. <laughs> and I was hanging out with Mark Monceau, uh, Brad Pendergraf, Shwengui, you know, these guys, the, the early the adopters, right? The early, <laughs> what I call the digital pioneers, yeah. right? Uh, right? And I learned from them, you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, there was yeah. Andrew Spong in London and Sally Church and those guys. And, and it's interesting, we haven't really moved that far since then, mm-hmm. you know, it's fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Um, you addressed this a little bit when we were talking about, um, you know, making making something that you're going to use yourself In, internally. You know, at Ogilvy, um, how, how do you push? How do you push things forward? Um, you, you know, it has a reputation of an organization of you know being very forward minded. You know, not kind of tied up with what happened three years ago, five years ago. You know anything else. Um, Internally, are there stresses? And if so, how do you get past them? Yeah, you know, you always have, we're such a a big organization. And again, Ogilvy's been around around for 75 years. Um, And we have to continually grow and change. You know, I remember when I uh, came to this country uh, to work in the dot-com boom, uh, my uh, at agency.com, one of the big uh, uh, competitors was Ogilvy Interactive. Yeah. Right. All of a sudden, you know, we grew in three years to 2,300 people. Ogilvy in one year went to 2,300 people. <laughs> right? so the Everybody s- just slapped interactive exactly. after their name. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, so I think there are always those stresses and strains. And uh, embracing digital, particularly in health, at Ogilvy Health, uh, we always have this push and pull, right? There are some clients who are very conservative. 
So how do you get them to move one step? And there are other clients who are demanding real innovation. So how do we push that as well? And it's really talent at the end of the day. We've got some really talented individuals. If you look at the point of care practice that we have uh, at Ogilvy Health in New Jersey, the pioneering stuff that Angelo Campano and his team are doing is it's mind-blowing. It's very innovative stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you've also got, we've got the traditional advertising, TV, you know, mm-hmm. print guys all beavering away doing their thing. So. Uh, it is a, a balance. You have to have the leadership bought into that. And there'll always be that internal fight, which you'll always have between digital and whatever. One of the things that we've been really working on hard is it's not just an outside, digital is over here. It should be part of the entire mix and connecting up the dots. Uh, as Joe Shield used to say proudly at every digital farmer east, it's marketing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. Right. Well, I, right, I find yeah. it fascinating. Here we are in 2000, at the end of 2019, and there are still you know, organizations that have a digital department. Exactly. And that just makes, it didn't make sense in 2012. It didn't make sense in 2008. You know? and, yeah. But, you know, between the three of us and whoever's on the Twitter that's sort of following this and we'll read this afterwards and <laughs> consume it afterwards. Thanks, Mom. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, I think some of it is because of the clients. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I did a speech not too long ago where I admonished the clients a little bit because they're a siloed. And so we're siloed because they're siloed, right? If you look at any brand, I guarantee you they have an AOR, they have a media agency, they have a social agency, they have a search agency, they have a digital agency. Mm -hmm. A media agency. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Why? So they're forcing that a little bit as mm-hmm. far as the infrastructure is concerned. Mm-hmm. And so we have to react to that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, they buy that way. So therefore, we have to position ourselves that way if we want to do the work there. So I think mm-hmm. it's one of those things as well. And, and you look at other industries, you look at financial services, they don't have a social media agency and a digit. They have an agency. Uh-huh. And I'm supposed to right. do this for you. Right. Right? But for pharma, for some reason, they've siloed it. And I still mm-hmm. can't get my head around that. Makes no sense, and you yeah. know the the agencies are willing to do it, you know, yeah. and right. everybody else is willing to do it, except you know, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, the people who are paying the bills. So I think there's the you know on both sides. I think you know we've per- perpetrated it a bit, but also uh, the the clients actually perpetrate a lot of it. Yeah, uh, yeah. which is interesting. And you're following their lead. In the yeah, a lot, a lot of cases. So exactly, right. we have yeah. to right. We have yeah. to follow wherever the client is willing to buy and wanting to do something. So if they say to us, you know, we're only looking to you for digital. Okay, we're a digital agency. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. right. Yeah. Here we are. Right. Here we are. Yes, yes. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Shall we look ahead to the conference late uh, uh, early next year? We have J.P. Morgan coming yeah. up. Uh, CES and, Health. Uh, we got January South by 12th. Southwest. It's kind of our conference right. season once the calendar turns. Right. We've got Startup Health Festival the 13th and 14th in San Francisco. You know, They're going to have uh, about 2,000 health entrepreneurs there uh, and investors and then some bright young health tech innovators. Uh, what do you have your eye on You know, in terms of of digital health uh, at that confab. So for JP Morgan, you know, we're doing an all pop-up that we did in South by. We're doing another one at JP Morgan in partnership with Mount Sinai and uh, mm. the Humble Ventures guys. Uh, what we're seeing is two trends: behavior health, a lot of stuff focused on mental health, particularly more and more deals being done with funding mental health uh, startups, quite a lot of that. We're seeing a lot of work around the consumerization of health. How do we, particularly at the hospital system level, how do we take the hospital to the home? What can we do to provide patient care in the house? 
what kinds of tools, technologies, uh, models can we create so that you don't have to leave your house. So if you get discharged and you go home, you stay home. Mm-hmm. We'll come to you rather than you coming back to the hospital for a checkup, those kinds of things. So, you know, Uber entering the market, uh, Lyft entering the market, round trip trying to keep hold of their, yeah, their base mm-hmm. around transport. Uh, but the two big themes are social determinants of health and how do we make healthcare more available to more people mm-hmm. as opposed to the, you know, the, the categories that we currently have. What can we do to cater to the underserved? What can we do to get to the people in the South Bronx and mm-hmm. give them mm-hmm. digital equity as well? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're seeing a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, big amount of focus on female entrepreneurs and underserved entrepreneurs. I'm seeing a massive shift. Mm. You're doing this with FEM, right? right. Uh, right, So I think those are great things to, uh, we did a thing at SAPIO on October the 1st, where we uh, did a half day on the focus on female entrepreneurs and underserved entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get them to leave a room. (laughs) We had the little space till six at 7.30, we go, guys, you have to leave. Fire department comes in. I know you want to keep talking, but Uh you have to leave so there seems to be a huge area there next year Mm -hmm. Um, what we are seeing is more money being chased but the sizes of the deals are getting bigger Mm -hmm. and the valuations are getting bigger Mm -hmm. you're seeing more you know where you would raise a million million two in seed you're now raising three Mm-hmm. Three and a half. Babylon did a five hundred million raise That's last right. year, right? Exactly. This past year, exactly. Valuing yeah. two point two billion for an app, right? Right, right. It's a telemedicine app at the end of the day, right? right. With NHS integration. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. But you know, so I think um, those kinds of deals are happening. I think so. The three areas really are female and underserved entrepreneurs. I see a big thing next year for all of that going on. Big thing around behavior health, social determinants of health, mental health, that sort of thing. Uh, third one is around uh, care at home. Really trying to focus on. I've seen a yeah. device recently. So instead of you know one of the big problems in care at home is IV bags. You need to get them there, right? Mm-hmm. And there's an Israeli startup that has figured out a way to deliver that on a patch. So you don't have to hmm. get a bag into the house. You just patch it onto the patient, hmm, really? and it's got a timer on it, and it, it, it delivers the IV for you. you then. Once it's done, you take it off, put another one on. Hmm. So things like that, very interesting. So that will start changing the way we deliver healthcare at home, I think. Um, We drag you in here again next December um, at the end of the year. What do you hope to be telling us? What do you expect to be telling us vis-a-vis some of the stuff we've spoken about today? I hope to say the following for, for, for us around the pharma industry is the embracing of bravery. Right, and trying to actually do some of these things, just like I highlighted on Mud Canada. So I would hope that we talk at the end of next year where we highlight three or four instances where we go, wow, look at that, a farmer company. It happened. That. It mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's that could be around digital marketing. It could be around a service beyond the pill, or it could be launching a digital therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Right, successfully, mm-hmm. and say, "Whoa, look at that! They actually did it." Right, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. would be one. Mm-hmm. The second area would be, um, we've seen the exits of people like Livongo, that has yeah. changed. Mm-hmm. Right, that's really started to feed the market. Yeah. Th- three really big exits uh, that has yeah. made digital health normal. Mm-hmm. It's accepted. Right, right now we've got pockets, but it's still a long way to go. So, mm-hmm. couple of exits I think next year would be really mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, I think Babylon is on their way. Ari is going to be mm-hmm. a very rich man. We should stay in touch mm-hmm. with him. <laughs> yes, uh, um, and then the third thing would be, uh, you know, you do this fem thing. I think 
really not sort of saying, oh, it's a female entrepreneur, right? Let's just make them entrepreneurs. They're male or female, mm. right? We've, we're doing right. a great job of celebrating, but let's elevate everybody uh, as well. Mm. Uh, the underserved particularly, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, mm. If you look at what AARP is doing, uh, they're doing some amazing stuff around some of the older generation, as we call them. Mm. And uh, people at 65, entrepreneurs, really doing some really interesting things uh -huh, for that market. Uh -huh. Yes. Yeah, yes, it's completely uh, unknown. Nobody knows about it. But ARP and that hatchery that they have is okay. fantastic. Oh, really well done. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing to see that the startup world has really become kind of a second career and a second life for a lot of people that exactly. started off in other areas of industry and then had maybe, you know, a personal experience with the healthcare system. Maybe, God forbid, you know, they, their relative went through something yeah. and then they were inspired to do something. That's but, right. you know, you're seeing a lot of people at, at, at advanced stages of their careers kind of devote their lives to this. And it's really refreshing to see. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think we'll see more of that uh, mm -hmm. next year. I really do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. Before we let you go, a couple of lightning round questions. Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> the thing is, you know, ordinarily, you know, we try to go very broad, but yeah. because you're here, we're going to go very specific. Okay, Larry. Uh, we're uh, on. Let's go. <laughs> who, who is, in your mind, the smartest person or organization in um, health tech? Oh, gosh. Smartest person. I've met so many very wonderfully smart people doing really innovative things. So it's going to be difficult to say one individual. Uh, if you look at, you know, Melinda Richter and what they're doing at JLab, she's amazing. Brilliant. Schwen um, still continues uh, to blow my mind every time I speak to him and the things he's doing at Novartis. Um, Michelle Longmire at Medable. Not only is she an amazingly smart individual, but the longevity in continuing to push the envelope in mm -hmm. R&D, mm -hmm. a very male-oriented mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, environment, yeah, and she's uh -huh. doing some amazing things and very smart with blockchain and AI. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got to give kudos to uh, Atul Gwandi at Amazon and Haven. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very, very smart individual, uh, and it's going to really do some incredible things, I think. So, yeah, there you yeah, go. Great. I'm sorry, I can't pick one. No, that's that's, I know so <laughs> that's, many, that's, that's an answer. Yeah, that's great. How about this? You know, we discussed um, a couple of the events coming up. Mm. In your mind, what's your favorite health tech event? Where's your favorite place to go, to meet, to do business, to mm. do everything? My favorite, personally, is South by. Yes, it really is, and here's why. It's an environment where you can have really deep conversations with somebody. It's not a place where you go to a room and somebody stands up in front of a presentation, waxes on for about 30 minutes, and then comes off the stage. You know, you Two really, questions. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So I love, I love interacting with passionate entrepreneurs and really getting to the, why are you doing this? Where did mm -hmm. you get the idea, right? Mm -hmm, how mm -hmm. much money did you raise? And see, and listening to the trials and tribulations of how they're taking this baby that they thought of and bringing it to life. And it's a fantastic environment to do that. So South yeah. by is probably my favorite. I didn't go to health. Mm -hmm. um, my view of health was, from an optics perspective, it's in Vegas. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> nice, healthy environment. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and the second thing was, there were so many rock stars there. I would have been really intimidated. So that's what I don't know about. Uh -huh. But everybody kept saying it was an amazing event. Yeah. So maybe Mark, next Mark, year. Mark, Mark what did you I think had the, uh, no, I thought it was the rock star comment was very yeah. accurate. There yeah. was a lot of uh, CEOs there. Uh, and just the breadth uh, you know, of this, the wide swath of the different companies from health systems, uh, payers, you mm. know, um, startups, um, entrepreneurs, pharma, you know, the CDOs, the whole bit. Um, it was also, you know, kind of special to, to see 
Bernard Tyson, probably mm. one of his last speeches, yeah. unfortunately. unfortunately we, we lost yeah, him this yeah. year, one, one of the great champions uh, of healthcare, you know, and, and sort of, um, I think his, his legacy will be, you know, where we're going to break down that, that front end of healthcare and, and make people able be able to access it, you know, however they feel comfortable accessing it. But he, he made social determinants one of the big pillars right. of That's their right. strategy. So right. um, so it was, it was I, I found it to be very meaningful. Uh, Do you think experience. it'll get as big as, I mean, I think the, the guys who created health wanted it become the CES of health. Do you think it's got that potential? It sounds like it, right? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, there, there was, um, you know, I haven't attended CES, uh, but, you know, that has become huge. a fixture, yeah. you know, in the health uh, exactly. uh, calendar, absolutely. Yeah. Um, they're well on, on their way. It's yeah. only the second year, yeah. uh, uh, but a very impressive, you know, showing for just the second year. And, and people that I, I spoke with, you know, we did some podcasting there. Mm. Uh, they seem to be unanimous and just they're so impressed with, uh, you know, in only their second year to have attracted the audience that they did. And, 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 and people breaking news there, you know, we said Facebook launch yeah. their, um, you know, population health um, initiative. Uh, so people are taking it seriously. It's, you know, Seema Verma there from CMS was, yeah. was, was making yeah. uh, some news. So, um, yeah, it's one to keep an eye on for yeah. sure. Yeah, maybe I'll uh, go next year. Might get intimidated, might not. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't think you have to be intimidated by anybody. By <laughs> the way, we're going to say, you know, yeah. you, you get up on stage, you're going to get the same response. Yeah, absolutely. These, uh, you know, the Superstar treatment. <laughs> All right. Well, last, that's last one. Okay. Um, you know, you mentioned a couple over the course of the conversation, but um, of all the health tech startups, what's the one that you have your eye on near ahead? Right now, Butterfly Networks, mm-hmm. really killing it. Uh, I think they've got an amazing product. They've spent a ton of money. If you don't know what it is out there, uh, basically a, an ultrasound machine for a hospital costs anywhere from thirty-five to seventy-five thousand dollars. It's okay, but the delivery of care is really interesting. You get wheeled down to a room. There's a couple of nurses. You wait on your bed. They then do the ultrasound, and they wheel you back to the ward. You know, it's a mm-hmm. really interesting experience. <laughs> well, the Butterfly guys came out with a handheld ultrasound for two grand. Yeah. Wow. It's incredible. That, Completely that will point. change. Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. Two grand for uh-huh. a handheld, which has got an amazing clarity of image, mm-hmm. and you can mm-hmm. do it bedside. So you change the delivery of care model. Now you're doing it at bedside. You know you have right. to get wheeled away. Right. Uh, and the cost, and it's connected. It's, mm-hmm. You know, the images that you can give the image then to the mother. Yeah. It's amazing to me how many mums are buying it directly because they've mm. got a direct to consumer right. model. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, oh, I'm pregnant. Yeah. I can get an ultrasound. Yeah. For two gr- I'm yeah. buying it. And <laughs> and think about the hospital to the home as exactly. trend as you mentioned. Exactly. So yeah. that's a hot one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really, I think they're gonna go. It's going to be big. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So good, good. All right. Ritesh, we can't thank you enough for coming down here today. We'd like to have you back again, yeah. um, whether it's next year at this time or sooner. Please, uh, please. Always do. happy to my friends. Don't Both be a of stranger. you. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, thank Always you. happy. All right. So thank um, you so much. Many thanks for Ritesh. Mark and I will be back very soon with another um, podcast for MMM. This is Larry Dobrow. Thanks so much.